Hi, welcome to Naked Conversations. My name is Craig. My wife's name is Dawn. Uh, she's in South Bend this week, so I'm doing this by myself, just this part. Uh, but we did discuss earlier um, my last two ketamine treatments, uh, another Bible study, and we finally get around to talking about how we met and fell in love, as well as a couple of short love stories that I wrote for Dawn, and she'll introduce those. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Hi, it's Dawn. So, cast our love to the start. Craig started writing our childhood together in the most creative and loving and fun ways. So things I would share about my childhood and things he would share about his childhood. And then he would wrap them into these amazing stories that we were just always together. And he would rewrite them. And it was such a beautiful way to look at the past. And I don't know, I guess in a way, fix it, I suppose, or redeem it or feel less alone. Kind of like when we try and teach patients how to reach down to the younger version of ourselves and do self-parenting exercises and self-love exercises each place in our childhood to bring into the younger versions of ourselves the things that maybe our parents weren't able to give us or we weren't able to receive from them for some reason. But he just always had a way of writing us together in those moments that we just maybe would think about from the past and would have imagined we wanted something different for ourselves back then. And after a while, the stories did kind of change. They did become more like the new stories that he'd written instead of the stories from the past. And yeah, that's a beautiful thing. It's just been a lovely gift that he's given me. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Thanks again. We love you. I want us to go back to our childhood, only not hundreds of miles apart. I want to go back and find you in your old hiding place. See, there was this little teddy bear I had with a wind-up music box in it and a tiny bow tie. And we could cuddle up with him between us, under my blanket with the silk fringe. And I would show you how to rub it against your upper lip while you suck your thumb. And then we'd share that shivery good feeling it always gave me, nose to nose in the shadows between your parents' bed and the wall. And while chaos ensued all around, my hand would find yours, our eyes wide and so full of nothing but each other. And we would ask all the questions none of the adults in our lives had the patience to weather and make up the answers for ourselves. The sky is blue because your irises spilled over into the air one day while you were daydreaming clouds into animal shapes. And the grass is green because I cried a lot as a baby and my mother used the tears to water the lawn. God lives in the sun because the devil lives underground, so, duh. And they named you Dawn because your heart shines bright with his morning light. And the mountains rose out of the ground because the earth was trying to touch you. And they named me Craig when the mountain cracked from the effort. Oh, I want to trade breaths with you while we think up for each other all the reasons the world is. I want to hold one another, innocent and pure and safe, until we fall asleep. I want each of us to whisper words of worth as we drift off. Because I don't want to just love you for the rest of our lives, morning light. I want to cast our love all the way back to the start. I want to have loved you from the very beginning like it always feels that I should have. Hi, beautiful. Hi, love. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. We we have a lot to talk about because our mornings, been... our Saturday mornings when I'm home are really busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, was for you this morning. <laughs> it was for me. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, and it's been a busy week, right? Like I had my last two ketamine treatments and uh, another Bible study this morning. And yeah, and you you always have a busy and stressful week. So. I do, but I was able to get home early, no, relatively early on Thursday night this time because yes. I'm covering three weekends at the hospital this month. So I wanted a long weekend before... Mm-hmm. All that started. And that's always fantastic when you get to come home. Yeah, early. it is. Mm-hmm. The storms Just and the power outages, oh, yeah. uh, the drive home. I would always try to avoid that four to five o'clock hour anyway, coming through Indy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to be clever and get off the interstate because of this big storm. And then <laughs> all the power like lights. An, the yeah. It added like another hour and a half minutes, or something. Yeah, yeah it was ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. Keystone was horrible. All the yeah. the lights were out. And yes. Ugh. Yeah. Traffic talk. This is traffic talk <laughs> with Don and <Yeah>. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> so where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the ketamine and work our way forward? or? Sure, but I will yeah. tell you because, okay, so I was getting ready to tell Craig something this morning that I felt was an extreme moment of gratitude. <laughs> and he's like, no, stop. We should we should record well, it. Well, we we had that conversation yeah. a couple of times because I was going to start talking about Bible study, and you said no, we should record it. We should record it. <laughs> so yeah. we've stopped ourselves. So we've times. stopped ourselves so we could record okay. it. Now here's my extreme moment of gratitude, which is going to be so embarrassing. <laughs> Ooh, yay! I know. When you said it, though, I thought, okay, no, we're being real here. So I tried this supplement thing in my coffee this morning, mm, but our mm-hmm. little zzz thing was not working. <laughs> the little uh, oh yeah, what is it? It whips the coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I went ahead and drank it anyway. Well, that was kind of a mistake. First world problems. I know, right? Our electric swizzle stick was broken. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) The injustice of it all. So so regardless, um, I was supposed to go to my sister's this morning and her power's out. And then all of a sudden, that supplement hit me and I was in the bathroom with diarrhea. (laughs) But... I'm sitting there this thinking... This is diarrhea talk with Don That's Craig. right. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're so eclectic. Um, but here's the thing. Yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I wasn't on the road to go visit my sister. <laughs> I am so grateful. I'm in my own bathroom right now. And then I thought about the times where I was on the road and had to stop at like gas stations and they were nasty. And <laughs> I was just like... Rejoicing in the Lord that I was sitting on my own toilet. Yeah. Or the sitting. times when you didn't you didn't stop and then didn't quite make it didn't to the bathroom. Didn't quite make it to the bathroom. <laughs> yes. Like it was none of those things. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was so grateful yeah. to be sitting in my own bathroom. <laughs> All right. This oh, is my the, sister's not gonna do well with that one. This is the end of diarrhea talk. Yeah, she does not, that's right. She doesn't do well with <laughs> um Yes. Okay. So yeah, uh, ketamine. Ketamine. Last yeah. So two. I went for the first time. Yeah. With the, well, the last time actually. So yeah, but yes, the first time and the last time. Uh, so I had my last Are you two. Bitter about that? Oh, very bitter. bitter. No, no, no. Okay. I, I'm. I really was grateful that Zamira went. You know, like you said. I mean, it, it, you're really. I don't know. I mean, it, and it's not like Zamira and I have a ton of things to heal, but it's always great to to express love and and gratitude to your children I think and and mm-hmm. uh and that's been that's been a fantastic you know experience having her there and being able to tell her you know things that I would tell her anyway but it it just feels so much deeper so the the ketamine these last couple of times um cuz the maybe the one or two times before that you sort of entered the what we call what you call the K hole, right? Mm-hmm. Where it gets really dark and deep, and uh, it feels like everything kind of closes in. And I mean, it's simultaneously kind of comforting and also a little frightening because I mean, in some ways, you're losing all of the things externally that tie you to the world. Uh, and and in some ways that's a relief, and in other ways that's you know that's it's it's scary. You know you think oh, but uh, but the last couple times Monday and Friday this week were my last two, and both times while I was in that hole, I was simultaneous. I was able to hold on to the world 
as I was still experiencing. So it was a weird dichotomy. Like I, like I was still able to remember that there's an external world and that all of these things are real and able to sort of visualize myself from the third person. Like it, instead of thinking this is the universe, I'm just an, a consciousness floating in my own little world. I was able to still think to myself, oh yeah, Zamir is there and she just sees her dad lying in this chair, <laughs> you know, with an IV in his arm. And so it was, uh, it was, it was kind of comforting to be able to hold on to both of those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, on Friday with you, yes. um, uh, we got to do the thing that I had done with Zamira and I, you sat in my lap for a little bit while I was, while I was in that state. And, uh, and yeah, again, it felt like a, a merging of consciousness is you know like Mm -hmm. like it felt like just to me i'm sure you didn't feel this way i mean i'm sure it was nice for you Mm -hmm. you can talk about are you sure it was nice (laughs) (laughs) you're saying it's not nice to sit in my lap no Uh, but i it uh it was it was a lovely feeling to to express whatever i expressed to you because i think i did talk a little bit to Mm -hmm. you while you were there um but it was also nice to feel like our bodies and our thoughts were merging. Like, I don't know that, you know, it, it felt like that to me and it was a real comfort to, to share myself with you in that way. Um, and, and, uh, well, okay. What was your experience of it with? Well, I mean, I, I was, and I don't know why I was, but, but I was a little fearful like that because when Megan came in at one point, I was like, so far, so good. No underlying resentments have come out. <laughs> but it's silly that I was, because I remember when I did ketamine that, um, you know, you don't see those things. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of the whole point. And even when I've been with patients who've done S-ketamine, you kind of see the the a bigger picture and you kind of see yeah. the world differently and yeah. kind of resentments and past pains and struggles sort of take on a different perspective yeah, for that healing they, piece. They kind of fade. They just like, they're more distanced. I yeah, think they're... I talked about that mm-hmm. with you afterwards. Like, and, and I, and I'm sure that, you know, there will be extended benefits as, but the, the, the things in my life that have caused me pain or that I've dwelled on before, when I think about them now, they feel more distant than they did before. They feel I don't know. And, and it's not like they were these horrible things. When I would think about, I would go back to that place and be in that emotional state. I It wasn't, but it felt mm. more visceral. Whereas now it feels, it feels more manageable. It feels like something I can hold in my hand and, and look at and think, oh yeah, that happened, but that's not, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not who I am now. Right. It's not what I'm sure. going through now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so no, it was nice to, you know, I think the interesting thing is, and and who knows, maybe, no, I don't think a lot of people are like this, but you didn't say anything to me that you don't say normally. Mm, yeah. So you're, you are full of love and gratitude and mm-hmm. always reassuring to the people that you love. And so the only mm. thing you said was, I'm not sure I'll fit on your. Li- I'm not sure I'll fit or something like that. I was trying to make myself fit, and you said, "Oh no, no, you said that to me, right?" You said, "Right." I said that I'm to not you, sure I'll fit. yeah. And you said, "There's the the universe is big <laughs> enough for both." <laughs> That's of us. right. I did say that. I, yeah, I, I do remember saying that. Yeah. 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 Well, and funny. but you have to understand from my from my yeah. perspective, the universe was pretty small. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was just me, but I thought, nope, there's plenty of room for plenty of room for both now. of us. And there was. There was room in the universe for both you and me. Yeah. And it was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, no, it was good. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was interesting to to see you do the, the ketamine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But all in all, uh, last ketamine treatment. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a great experience and very worthwhile. Um, you know, and it's, it's hard to sort of pull apart all the things that have have changed in the past six or seven weeks, you know, yeah, from where I was. Um, but, but everything has been, has been fantastic. And it's been a, it's been a good week for me too. Like it was, a, 
you know, we had talked about me coming to your work and doing part-time work on the weekends, doing leading groups, um, either using my theater training or uh, writing training. And I, and I feel like uh, I didn't know exactly what I would do, but this week I kind of had a breakthrough and, and came up with this plan for, mm-hmm. uh, for the writing groups uh, that I think will be a really good experience for oh, I think so too. Yeah, for everybody. And and uh I mean there's still some more work I need to do on it obviously, but um but it feels really good to have that start and have a plan in place. Mm-hmm. It feels feels like uh you know and and uh and I talked about this in group a little bit today too uh, at the Bible study. I talked about how uh how you know my job is very satisfying in that you know there's a there's a light that's broken or an electrical circuit that's not working and I fix it and it works and I feel great, but I don't have the depth of, of, uh, of, of what you have with your patients. You know, you, when you have your successes may be fewer and farther between, but when you do have them, they're just so rewarding. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really looking forward to having an impact and, and using the skills that I, that I love, you know, I, I'm, I'm not passionate about electrical work, you know. It, it it's something that pays the bills and I enjoy doing it and it feels good to to have a goal and accomplish it. Mm-hmm. But it's not what I'm passionate about, you know. I'm not passionate about electrical work. I'm passionate about writing and I'm passionate about creativity and and expressing those things and uh and I'm excited about the opportunity to to help other people find find ways to express themselves and, and use that as a healing process for making their lives better. So that's really exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be definitely a growing opportunity for you as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So yes, Bible Bible study. study. Yep. And, uh, and, and before Bible study, uh, Dr. B and I had breakfast together. He wanted to have breakfast with me and, and that was great. We talked about, you know, the beginning of your and I relationship and the beginning of his marriage. And uh, and it sort of led to a couple things that we talked about and then brought up again in group. Uh, so the chapter, 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 chapter five, five or six, I can't, I don't, I don't remember, Louis Giglio. I was, uh, I was more irritated with this chapter uh, because again, Louis Giglio really is starting to lean into the devil as as an external force for these negative thoughts and and actions that we take in our lives. And I, so I I brought up in group today. I said, what what is the you know? Because I I always tell them that I'm looking at this metaphorically and metaphorically uh, I can, I can accept that uh, the devil sitting by your side and and whispering these negative thoughts and into your mind and just, just as a vehicle for having negative thoughts. I'm like, okay, that's great. That's fine. That works for me. But I'm wondering what the benefit is to someone who doesn't see it metaphorically, who sees the devil as a real force in the world a real being, an mm-hmm. entity, what is the, how does it help someone to externalize those negative thoughts to say, I mean, the only benefit that I can think of is that it might alleviate someone's guilt over having these negative thoughts. But that is the only benefit. Like how, how is it helpful to say, oh, this isn't me having these negative thoughts. This isn't me wanting to cheat on my wife. This isn't me wanting to wanting to seek revenge on my boss for being such a dick. You know, how does that help me heal? Mm-hmm. Mm. And the answer, I don't think it was very satisfying. Like I, I think um, they struggled to to answer that. I mean, I bet you know, and they answered that they that you know, Doctor B gave was, um, you know, that he does believe in the devil and that the devil is a real, a real force in the world. But that you know, and his point was that we, we all have choice. We all have the freedom to make choices. And, and, uh, 
and so it's important it, again and 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 from a psychological perspective it is important for us to take accountability for our actions but he didn't have a really good answer for what louis giglio is doing and i brought up again i brought up the externalization of the good too and the example i used which was kind of a negative example was uh what happened when uh when you and chris um mm-hmm. had had your miscarriage and mm-hmm. you lost um a child between you know before you had joshua you you had a a baby girl that uh you lost to miscarriage and an awful thing that someone said to you and that thing was this is God's punishment for you Our cheating marriages. on your spouses, the way your the way your marriage mm. came about. Right. And just how awful that is. And and my my thinking is that there is as little benefit to that to someone as there is to saying that the devil made me do it, right? Mm. What is how does that help anybody? And and what an awful thing to put on someone who's already going through a, a horrible traumatic experience. You know, you would, you would undoubtedly, I mean, you'd already named her, you know, right. you had all these thoughts and plans for her future, for what it was going to be like. And to just, to say something horrible like that, I, it's one of the things that really turns me off to Christianity, you know, right. to the religion of it and, and to the way that people, take something that can be a powerful force for good and just turn it into something evil. That just, that's evil to me. Well, and so even, yes, was it yesterday that Lulu was going to Yeah, she had church a, she has a friend who uh, wanted her to come to a, a vacation Bible school event and uh, and she just wanted to spend time with her friend, and she went, and she said it was fine. You know, she she really didn't you know get much out of the mm-hmm. the vacation vacation Bible part of it, but she really had fun with her friend. Yeah, and so it's at a Baptist church. Yeah, and you know we all we all just kind of got into this protective stance. Yeah, and because, you know nobody you know, was going to tell her not to go, yeah, but because she's gay and and yeah. Baptists are not the most accepting people of LGBTQ people, you know. So they're not the most accepting people of anybody. <laughs> right. But it it's sad when you know the representative of the creator and of the savior of mm-hmm. Christ the that's supposed to be the representative in our community that my first reaction is how do I protect my stepdaughter from the pain that they might cause her? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rather than, you know, the, then the gift she might receive from some lovely loving thing that she might experience. Right. Yeah. That was exactly, I mean, I would love for, I would love for all of you to know what it's like to be in love with, with Jesus. Right. But, but my first reaction was, they're going to hurt her. Yeah. They're going to harm her in some way, in some way of, you know, yeah, it was awful. It was an awful emotional experience. And I mean, we talked about, we talked about an exit plan. How <laughs> yes. sad is that, you guys, that we talked about how are we going to rescue this child from this Baptist church vacation Bible school? How are we going to rescue her from that? Yeah. And, and you know, because of my experience with it, and this is something that has always kind of resonated for me because of what happened, you know, in my independent, fundamental, premillennial Baptist school and church growing up, we were told, and whether the whether the um, message came from the pastor to my mom and then was translated to me during the times of abuse. Or, you know, regardless, there are laws in place to protect children. Bottom line, there are laws in place to protect children. And to use the the argument of separation of church and state is bullshit. To use the argument of this is a church matter and we will handle it within the church is bullshit. So there are clearly laws out there. So that way, when somebody wants to be independent 
from any kind of governing body, there are still laws to protect people and to protect children from harm, hate, and abuse. Mm -hmm. And I often, as an adult, would think about when I would read about these other situations where we were told not to say anything. And I I was told, well, we're going to keep this within the church because what if it gets out and people don't come to Jesus and they go to hell because it looks bad for the church to have had a sexual predator in the church. Now, mm-hmm. I was blatantly told that yeah. when I was younger. Right. Now, what kind of God needs to be protected uh-huh. on the innocence of children, yeah, on the right. backs of children? Yeah. What kind of weak God and weak followers mm-hmm. have to be protected from ch- because of, on, on children, on yeah, right. Right. Does that make sense? No, no, it makes no sense. And I, you know, you're talking about how they they want the separation of church and state. It's ironic now that uh, politicians and lawmakers are using the argument that well, we have we have an obligation to protect children when it comes to trans children. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they're they're that's their argument is we have the obligation to protect these children from their parents who want to affirm their gender. You know. Right. And and it's it's so funny how they're taking their their religious bigotry and and uh, and using the laws to say that you know that, that we we have a responsibility in this society rather than so because they can't take their church beliefs and you know it's just it's it's they want it both ways and mm-hmm. and it's uh, and it's gross and it's disgusting but it, I going back to Lulu. I think, I think, you know, and, and it's great that we were, we had this protective, you know, all I said was, hey, you, you'll have your phone with you. If you feel uncomfortable at all, give me a call and I'll come pick you up. Right. Not a big deal. You know, I. Well, in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I fantasized we were going in there yeah, and. <laughs> yeah. Giving him a piece of our mind. And yeah. yeah right, ripping sure. her out. Of course. And, yeah. But it went much further in my head. But I think it's, it's helpful that we have. You know, ever since she, I mean, well, ever before she came out, you know, we made it clear to her that, that, uh, we, we've always empowered her to, to be in control of who she is and who she wants to be. And that, you know, no one has the right to tell her what she, what she can't be, you Mm -hmm. know? Right. Um, and so I, I mean, I think, you know, we were, <laughs> we were a little overreactive to something she probably thought, oh, this isn't that big a deal. I know who I am. I know, you know, and if someone says that I can't be, you know, she's, she's going to quietly think to herself, well, okay, you can think what you want, but right. you know, she knows, she knows that, uh, that she is who she is and, and she's a beautiful person. And, you know, I think we've, we've really equipped her well to deal with, um, potentially negative situations like that. And, uh, and, and all she wanted to do was hang out with her friend and that's what she did. And, yeah. you know, she had a good, a good evening. So good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got off. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. Kind of got off topic. No. Okay. Yeah. So they weren't able to give a good argument really of the externalization. Well, and of- not for me, not, it didn't answer my problem with it. Right. Which was again, which was just the, yeah, the, it, it seems like, you know, we're looking at it from like Dr. B is looking at it from a psychologist's perspective, and he has great answers from a psychologist's perspective. You know, from you know, from from accountability and everything. But I'm looking at it from someone who doesn't have a psychologist in the room, who's just reading this book on their own, and I'm wondering. I'm still wondering. I'm like, what is the benefit of telling someone that uh, ah, the the devil is the entity who's whispering these negative thoughts into your brain. Mm-hmm. How does that help someone? I don't, I and don't you know, get it. I don't, um, now that I have the knowledge I have over the last 10 years of studying, you know, the human and the human mind. And I don't have it before I would have said to you, um, you know, Cling to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, and cling to the Lord. Now, practically speaking, it would get people more into a setting, a community setting, and a religious setting, and, you know, into the word, and into, you know, ideally, then you would, you know, commune with fellow believers. Psychologically, and 
as far as your energy and your mind is concerned, when you're in community like that, you're going to feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, we've proven that, that, that being in community, I mean, uh, recently the Surgeon General came out with this epidemic of, of isolation. Yeah. And, you know, when people started isolating with the pandemic, then they, they started getting, you know, emotionally unwell. And now people are isolating and they're emotionally unwell. Right. So it gets people in community, you know, resist the devil and he will flee from you and you run toward the Lord and you run toward your church and you run toward community. So there's, there's a good psychological piece to that. Sure. But when you externalize the, the problem and the solution, it does a disservice to the mind Mm -hmm. because we are capable of, you know, we have that neuroplasticity We we are capable of rewiring our minds. We are capable of training our brain to have a different response to things instead of reacting. And honestly, even when I have um, patients who come in and they're seeing the shadow people and they're, and they're um, trying to fight the shadow people, trying to resist the shadow people. And, you know, they have this fear of the shadow people because they've not gone away since their last use. And this is the first time that they've hung on the way they have. And, and I will, Tell them you need to give the shadow people zero energy. Right. Don't even resist them. You don't resist them. You don't fight them. You don't, you know, you don't yell, get thee behind me, Satan. Nothing like that. Because anything, negative or positive, still gives that entity, whether it's real or imagined, power. Right. It still makes them present in your life. Mm-hmm. So what I encourage them to do is start singing a song. Uh, you know, start doing a coloring a paper. Start doing anything. Play play a sport. Do exercise. Whatever. Anything you can do to completely ignore that shadow person or that whatever. Yeah. To you know to get to not give it any attention at all. Um. And so I feel the same way about the, you know, when you have evil thoughts, when you have, it's, you know, there's different strategies. You either replace it with something or you, you know, you just definitely don't give it attention. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess it would be different if if I felt like Louis Giglio were empowering people to 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 change themselves or to you know it feels like he's he's saying that you have the power but he's saying you only have the power through Jesus Christ you mm-hmm. know or right. through through God mm-hmm. which is his perspective but you know it's it I think it's wrong too right i mean you're basically saying you only have the power through God or Jesus Christ so there can't be any kind Buddhists or there can't be any kind Muslims or there can't be any kind non-believers, mm-hmm. you know? And I, that's just, that's just patently false. You know, there are, these are human qualities and, and there are human problems. There are, there are problems that we have and that we have to combat ourselves, you know? It, and, and, uh, and there are so many ways to combat those things and there are so many paths to truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not just the one, and and that's the frustrating thing that I have with uh, with Louis Giglio, and and sometimes with the group. Like today, I think probably was the most confrontational I was with the group, and and I still love those those guys, and and uh, and I feel good about communing with them and and talking about our problems and our week and and all. And like my my talk about the week was all about how uh, how great it was to. Have, uh, like the the letters of gratitude. I think I hadn't talked about those before. The letters of gratitude I wrote to my my girls, and uh, and how good that felt to uh, to express those emotions to them. You know, especially after having written those suicide notes, and and the, you know, no one's seen those except for me, thankfully. But it was a different kind of of. It was a healing energy rather than this sort of cathartic energy. Like instead of excising the poison like I did with the suicide notes, I mean, that's what it was like. It was like getting rid of these negative things that I thought about myself. 
in these notes. Instead of that, expressing the gratitude for the gifts that they give me was just in such a it's such a powerful powerful emotion to have, right? I mean, it's yeah, I don't I don't know how to express it necessarily, except that it and I know that you know there are studies that show that that expressing gratitude changes the chemistry of our brains, right? Mm-hmm. And it changes yeah, the, like the in physiology. the morning when you get diarrhea and <laughs> see see it all loops back, it all comes back together. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, it, it it's uh, it's really been a good week, and and finding that path to creating uh, the group process, um, you know, for for working at ICFR has been really rewarding too. And I think it's part of that same process. And you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to sharing sharing that that path or that that option for people to to express gratitude or to express. To, to excise the poison and replace it with something beneficial, I think is, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. I am too. It's going to be a weird dynamic for me. Yeah. To have my husband working <laughs> with the patients. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, but it'll be a weird dynamic. <laughs> um, so how confrontational did you get? Did you beat anybody up? Did you get in a fist fight? Oh, yeah. I mean, we wrestled <laughs> literally in the middle of the floor, all four of us. You, the they, might be able, they might be able to take you more seriously if you don't wear those shorts well, with maybe. that shirt. <laughs> they held me down and tried to exercise exercise the demons. It didn't yeah. work. The demons are still here. So You don't have demons, baby. I know. <laughs> but no. No, it was, I mean, it, when I say confrontational, I just, you know, I put the question to the group and then I, I let them answer and then, you know. I mean, I, I pushed back a little bit and said, I, I don't, you know, that doesn't necessarily answer it for me. But, you know, it, it, it was, I mean, it was all friendly conversation. And, and again, Dr. B thanked me at the end. He's, you know, it's, he, he sees the benefit of of having to answer questions like this. And, it, it, you know, it, you know, it helps strengthen his faith, I think. And, you know, and, and the others, I mean, it's not like they, I'm not, I'm, and I'm not trying to proselytize agnosticism either you know i'm not i'm not trying to convert anybody i'm not trying to you know take away their belief system because i mean clearly their belief system really helps them and i'm and i'm and i would never want to take something sacred away from somebody you know uh so yeah 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 (sighs) you're so beautiful you are very kind to say that all the time like you do yeah 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 but you are yeah. Uh, okay. What do you do? You want to talk about anything else? Um, right Thirty-two minutes. Do we want to talk? We we still we keep talking about how we're going to talk about how we met and fell in love, but we haven't yet. Do you want to talk about that at all? Sure. Okay. Um, so we met on Bumble, and uh, and Bumble is a is a dating app, um, and I was on a couple of. Uh, free dating apps too, and I had had more luck with the free ones. The Bumble app, I hadn't really had any luck on. Like I think maybe I had one date from a Bumble, and it just it wasn't great. But it was one of those apps that you have to pay a subscription for, and so I had paid for I think a thirty day subscription, and I was about two or three days from my subscription being over, and I was not going to renew it because I, like I said, I just hadn't had any luck, and uh, and then. And also, I mean, the Bumble, the way the Bumble app works is the women are kind of in control, right? So, be, because you know, because it's much harder for women, you guys get, you know, you know, pummeled with all of these negative male things that people, you know, the unsolicited dick mm. pics and and you know, just disgusting things that men say to women, thinking that it's going to work. I guess I don't know. I don't know what their strategy is, but uh, it's. It's not a great thing for you guys. And so and you don't get to see a profile until a woman swipes right on your profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so your profile popped up for me and it was just a great, like the whole structure of it just fed right into my cre- my best creative impulses. Like you said, okay, here are I think three or four things about yeah. me and one of them is a lie. If you can guess which one it is. You know, that'd be, and, and so you're, it was a, it was like a writing prompt. And, and also you said, if you can answer in a, a Dr. Seussian rhymey kind of way. <laughs> and so I, and I, 
I had looked, I was looking at, I was working a second job at, uh, at a dye shop in Indianapolis. Uh, and, and so it was like 10 o'clock at night. I was on my break and I was scrolling through and I saw that prompt and I, I immediately responded and just said, Oh my gosh, this is, this is the best, mm-hmm. this is the best, uh, whatever opening, whatever. And so I was, I was really excited and I said, I, I can't wait to get home and respond later. And, uh, and I was thinking I'll, I'll respond in the morning when I've got more time. But instead, I mean, when I got home at like 1130 or 12 o'clock at night, I just had this burst of energy and I thought, oh, I, I really want to answer this right now. And so I, I don't know, I wrote this really creative thing. But it, and I also thought like, oh, I'm not going to do the rhyming thing. But then as I was writing, it just sort of, it fell into place and I was like, okay, yeah. And it, it, uh, it, I had a really creative, funny response and, uh. And you responded, and so tell your uh, tell your story so, about being on Bumble. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Tony and Lori were at Goose the Market mm-hmm. in the basement, and we were hanging out. And they took my phone and took my picture, and they're the ones who wrote everything. It was Tony's idea to do the all of that, and then they started swiping. <laughs> and yeah. some of them they just didn't read. It was just like. Only hookups. <laughs> I didn't catch that till later. But I was incredibly nervous about it. Incredibly, uh, just like so like uh, worried yeah. about it. And, and you had only been on it. So that the, the important thing to me is that you'd only been on it for like 24 hours, right? Well, so that was what, Friday night? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we met Saturday morning. Yeah. So I wasn't even on it for... I know. 10 hours, so, 12 hours. I mean, if it, if it happened like a week later or just a few days later, I would not have seen it because I would have been, my subscription would have been up and I would have been off. And I never signed up for a subscription because yeah. it was, there was like a free trial period. Yeah, so right. you were my first and only date on Bumble. <laughs> Thank God, because, oh my goodness, I was so vulnerable yeah. and you were kind. You yeah. were just a... A good human. I could have easily have fallen mm. into just stupidity with some asshole. Sure. And, and did I mean you had other responses too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I had other responses, but yeah. when we none met, of them that were next, as, as creative and funny as none me, of them right? were as creative and funny as yours. <laughs> yours were very clever. Yeah. Creative and funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that was pretty much it. We met the next day, and yeah, we yeah. I emotionally vomited on you. Oh man, that first conversation was just the best conversation. We, uh, you know, yeah, we sat down, and I think the first thing we did was you thought the blinds were broken, and uh, and I went I over. I thought I and, broke them. Yeah, you thought you broke the blinds, and I went over, and and they worked perfectly fine. You just weren't pulling hard enough on the the. Well, I was afraid I was going to break yeah. them more. So we met at the college because yeah. I was studying. Yeah. And I think part of it was you were checking up on me too. Like, cause I said, I worked at a college at Franklin college and, and you had made a habit of coming down to the library that was right down the mm-hmm. block and studying cause you were still in NP school. Uh, and I think like you just showed up and then told me after you were there, Hey, I'm in the campus center. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. And, and I, I kind of felt like maybe you were making sure, Hey, is he really working at the college or is he just some, yeah. bum, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing was so yeah. weird. Yeah. So we, I show up, we mess with the blinds for a minute. We kind of laugh because they're clearly working fine. And then we sit down and, uh, and yeah, you talked for about five minutes, I think, just telling me everything. <laughs> and then, so, and then I think maybe you asked, I don't remember what you asked me, but I remember, I remember having this moment where, I kind of sat back and just in in my own head thinking, okay, do I do I do the thing that people do on a first date and just put forth my, you know, best impression of myself or do I just do what you just did and tell you everything? And I had just had this moment where I said inside my head, I was like, okay, this is, you know, I'm just going to and it's not like I, you know, I was an incredibly dishonest person, but you know, other dates and everything, you, you do what people do. You, you want to put your best, you want to project your, the image of your best self. And, and, and I just, yeah, I told you everything. I told you warts and all. And, and, uh, and it was just the best. It was, we didn't, 
we didn't tell each other any lies or or misrepresent or leave things out you know not the the lies of uh of uh omission omission right and there was none of that i mean we we were completely honest with each other from the beginning in fact and and you don't you i think in the past you've told me uh, i think that happened on the second or third date but i remember distinctly on that first, that first hour conversation you saying to me <laughs> you saying to me oh I was really hoping I wouldn't want to have sex with you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and, well, damn it. Because it's been a long time, okay? Yeah, yeah. Well, and you, but the, and, and it made sense because the profile pictures that I had up were just silly, goofy pictures that I had taken, had Zamira take of right, me. Right, so I thought it was safe. So, I thought, oh, yes, I wasn't going to want to have had, sex like, with this guy. Weird facial hair or whatever, and just goofy <laughs> smiles and different poses, stupid poses. And so, yeah, I'm sure looking at those profile pictures, you thought, yeah, I'm, this guy's, he's, he's <laughs> clearly a dork and I'm not going to, but then, uh, but then I was putting out the, the sexy, hey, the sexy electrician vibe apparently. <laughs> and you were, and I, and I remember my response to you saying that I was really hoping I wouldn't want to have sex to you. I was like, mm, I guess I'm not sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> like it was it was great. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. And then but, we, then, but then you were like, you immediately followed it up with, uh, but we we can't have sex until after the holidays because it was right. Bef- it was November seventeenth. Yeah, the timing. It was. I knew I was going to be <laughs> an emotional wreck during the holidays. Yeah, and yeah, and because you were still, you know, recovering from loss of Chris and everything, and and uh, and yeah, so uh, and. And, uh, yeah, so you were like, and then it was, so it was going to be two months and I was like, yeah, okay, we, I'm cool with that. You know? Yeah. But during that time we did talk about the, the Christian thing. Oh yeah. And you, well, I think that one, first of the, encounter. one of the first encounters too, one of the first things you said was if you were a Baptist, I would marry you right now. <laughs> I yeah. think you said. <laughs> well, because it would be very, you know, be an unusual Baptist who would be affirming of women, affirming uh, of. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like kind, compassionate, affirming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so. we would still have, and we would all, we would have the same doctrinal beliefs. <laughs> yeah. But no, you, I told you that I was a Christian and mm-hmm. yeah. that this was. I forget how did because that wasn't when we went to was that when we went to lunch? No, was that, that was the second one. That was the second day. Yeah, you. Yeah, we had about an hour conversation in uh, the little lounge area in the campus center, and then you said, "Well, I need to go for a walk and think." <laughs> so you went and took like a forty-five minute walk. You're an atheist, right. I need to go for a walk and think. Yeah. You went for like a forty-five minute walk just in the park or whatever, and I I went to do some actual work because <laughs> I hadn't <laughs> been doing work clearly. Uh, I went to do some electrical work, and then. Um, you came back and let me know that you were back in the campus center and we came back and talked for another 45 minutes to an hour and just, uh, yeah. And, and you said, I don't know, you said, uh, you would take it slow and, and, uh, and that, you know, we wouldn't do anything physical for, you know, until after the holidays. And I was fine with that, you know, cause it had been a, had been a long time for me too. And, and at that point it had been, pretty much a year with the exception of one one date that I went on I had sex with a woman on one date and then but other than that like I hadn't had sex in about a year and uh but I was fine I you know I was in no hurry and uh and I had learned during that dating process that I was I was not equipped I was not the kind of guy who wanted to date more than one woman at a time and in fact I think it was on that second date that you said to me hey I just want you to know you know, I, I know you haven't had sex in a long time. And if that's an important thing to you. I know you're a heathen and yes, you would have sex right. on a first date yes. with someone. And you said, uh, if, if uh, I know I don't want to have sex until after the holidays at least. Um, but if you, so if you want to can date other people, I'm fine with that. And, and I said, well, if it's okay with you, uh, I'd rather just see where this goes. Cause I mean, you were the most interesting person and, and just, I mean, it was, a, it was a fantastic, every time I was with you, we would just have fantastic conversations and we would laugh and we would, uh, it's just like everything clicked with you and I, even, even, you know, despite the religious differences, you know, we, we were just, I felt like I was meeting somebody who uh was completely in sync with me you know we were mm-hmm. we were 
and then, so yeah, I said no, I'm I'm not interested. And in fact, I think it was within a couple of weeks you were like, we should go ahead and have sex. <laughs> and, I, and I was the one who was like, no, no. No, I know you kept putting the brake. You're like, nope, like, nope. This we're not is, doing that. No. I, I have a feeling that if we do it now, you're gonna you're gonna resent. You know, maybe you'll mm. resent having having done it. And so I I made you stick to it at least until. Yeah, until it was, it was, it, we did it about a month early, <laughs> earlier than we were going to, but still, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, 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 it was magical from the beginning, and it's, it's, you know, it's funny, it's hard not to look back and think that it wasn't love at first sight. I mean, I know that, you know, that we didn't say I love you until. You know. said it first. Yeah, I said it first. You you had gone in for some medical tests, and mm-hmm. I'd been worried all day about these medical tests because you were convinced. I mean, you were constantly convinced that you had cancer or that you had something. I was going to die. Yes, right. Yes. And so you had me worried. You know that you you were getting some uh, some some throat X rays or something done to find out what was going on there, and and uh, yeah, I spent all day worrying. So when you finally called. I I told you and you told me it was you know that it was that it had been negative. I was like, oh, I love you, and you said it back and yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, looking looking back, like I said, it's it's hard not to think that it was love at first sight because I just had I had a feeling like in 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 my gut like when I went to do that those forty five minutes worth of work <laughs> I was. I was thinking about you the whole time and I was just like, oh my gosh, she's, she is fantastic. She's spectacular. And you were, you were everything I could possibly have wanted from a first encounter with anybody, you know? I mean, it was, it was an incredible conversation and I don't remember everything that we said, but yeah, I just remember the feeling of it, like just feeling of amazement that, that you existed and that, and that everything that we said to each other, there was no skepticism. There was no, it was just, it was easy and it was, mm-hmm. it felt good. I kept asking myself, I think because of the religion and, you know, the women being less than and women not being encouraged to, to have, you know, careers and to have education. And, and I always kind of went against the grain when it came to, you know, the, yeah, I mean, I was always kind of rebellious when it came to that. Yeah. But the one person that I did sort of date, you know, there was a Christian and supposedly a strong Christian and, and had all kinds of skeletons in his closet. And, you know, I, you know, wanted me to, to drop out of school. And I just... I kept thinking, this is wrong. I should be with a Christian. I should be with a believer. I should be with someone who is going to, you know, step into that traditional role as a believer. But then I so desperately needed someone to undo the damage that had been done to me by, you know, white Christian men in power. Yeah. And you were all of those things. Yeah. And I don't think even a a believer could argue that when you've been exposed to so much evil in the church that God can't use something that maybe is unconventional to help you heal when there was no way I was going to be able to heal in the church. Right. There was there was just I mean, I'd tried for years, I'd tried to somehow heal in the church. I'd tried to every you know, from Messianic Jewish to, you know, Christian to Methodist to, and, and, you know, there was some healing in some of those places. Right. But, you know, and even on my YouTube thing, talking about the conspiracy theories and talking about the, you know, living in the, in the future, living in the past. And to me, that's the whole point of Christ is to, redeem all of the suffering and to allow us to just live and be all those good things that that we're supposed to be all that good peaceful healing energy that we're supposed to be the fruit of the spirit 
to me, that's, that's the whole point of Christ. But yet, no matter how, how many churches I might have visited or sought out any kind of comfort and healing, it was all very much fear-based, judgment-based, preparing for the apocalypse, preparing for the end times, you know, the conspiracy theories, the, the news, the, you know, looking at all of these things, just the fear-mongering, the, the being consumers of fear. How can we, how can we keep people afraid? Yeah. And, you know, they always throw in, but we have God, but we have Jesus. But yet they're still living in fear and paranoia. And I love how you, you're the, you, when you said to me that one day Christians have a persecution fetish, persecution fetish. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Because they convince themselves that they're somehow being martyred if gay marriage goes through. You know, they're somehow being martyred if abortion is legal. They're somehow being martyred if, and they're, you know, they're not. Right. Just not. It right. may be something that they want yeah. to be in place in their society, but they're sure. well, and it's like it's like white men not recognizing their privilege, like being upset that that you know that women want more rights, or that you know, or the idea that uh, that 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 police you know have have used their authority to uh, pers- to persecute and uh, people of color, you know, for mm-hmm. you know. It's like it's like something is being taken away from them if someone else's rights are recognized. You know, yeah. it's it's uh, it's it's just the alt or you know, it it makes me so angry. Like if if a traditionally white character, you know, they they remake a movie or a male character is suddenly played by women, like remaking the Ghostbusters thing with all women. That's that like oh what you know. I just it just it makes me so angry or you know the when a, a stormtrooper was played by a black actor you know and the, oh right and right the, yeah the, it's like oh, they're you know they're not white I mean they're you know, they're not black you know they're they're all clones they're all clones of white men oh come on man yeah really that's <laughs> right. that's the hill you're gonna die on give me a break it's fictional you know these yeah. fictional things or or God forbid it's a, it's something that's really affecting somebody's life in the real world and you're upset about them, you know, alleviating their suffering by by asking for laws to change. It's just nuts to me. It's it's It is. It's it's ridiculous and and honestly yeah. the the preaching I I grew up with was always comparing ourselves to other people and how we're so much better, we're the only ones who are going to go to heaven yeah. and you know we're not going to be like those. And I was thinking about this the other day. Um, the righteous, there, there's a, a teaching in scripture. Jesus is talking about the righteous man who's who's um, standing up and he's being very loud and very, or not righteous man, the man who's standing up in, in public prayer and being very loud and saying, thankfully, I'm not like this sinner next to me. I'm this and I'm that. And then the man next to him with his head down saying, you know, having gratitude for salvation, just having gratitude. And that example is, 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 I mean, that's a teaching in scripture and how the man with gratitude is so much more righteous than the one who's putting his righteousness on display because he's made, you know, whatever he looks good. And that's exactly what the church has been at least in my experience forever, just always saying, well, aren't we just glad we're not those sinners? Right. Aren't we just yeah. glad that we're this, that? And it's like, it's everything's so clear in scripture teaching against yeah. the things that we've done. Yeah. Well, it's like, and it's like the prosperity gospel too, right? Like yeah. God wants you to have these riches in your life when clearly it says in there, a rich man will find it easier to pass through the eye of a needle than to enter the right. kingdom of heaven, right? I mean, it's just, it's it's counter to everything that, that I don't know. It's just it's but nuts Jesus to me. taught right. You know that's yeah. the thing. Is... Yeah. Hey, we're about to run out of time because it okay. gives us an hour limit. Oh so. yeah, we got on a lot of soapboxes. <laughs> we did. We got yeah. A, yeah, lots of sorry, sorry for the soapbox. Yeah, and sorry the, about the that. diarrhea talk. You know. This yeah. Is... <laughs> well, um, is there anything? Do you have any ideas about um, pieces that I should read or anything after this? Um, anything that's coming to mind? 
from what we've talked about? Maybe some of just the fun ones. Yeah. You're just fun and goofy and yeah. they would make me laugh in the morning. Yeah, I love those. Those are my favorites. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll pick something and I'll do something before and we'll do one after. Okay, sounds good. Mm, I love you. I love you. You're well, so you're so awesome. I don't know if I made that clear to you or not, but you're you're the best. <laughs> you're the best. He he used to, he would say that to me before the ketamine. I just want everybody to know yes. that. <laughs> yeah, but and this is the part where you say, "Oh, you're the best, honey." You know <laughs> you are. <laughs> well, I'm always trying to convince you that you're wrong. Yeah, I know that I'm I not. Know. Yeah, it's yeah. more about you than it is. About me. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. You are. You are. You're the best. You're incredible. You're amazing. You're so smart and pretty. It's yeah. It's been robbed of all its power. Now. <laughs> it? It okay. All right. I love all right. You. Thanks, love you. guys. Yeah. Thanks. We love you. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Dawn, and I am introducing "Love You Like an Agenda Loves a Meeting." So. This is one of the recordings that Craig has done for me. Um, and again, I would get these in the mornings when I was working down in Bloomington for the most part. And it just would crack me up how he would just kind of create these scenarios with inanimate objects and have a whole story written around them. And that's kind of what he did was he was just always rewriting the story and making it more fun and making it more interesting. And that's what he does with life, too. He makes it more fun and interesting. So hope you guys enjoy this one. Thanks for listening. I love you, morning light, like a meeting loves an agenda. The meeting's first instinct upon hearing rumors about the agenda is to immediately dislike it for the agenda seeks to enforce discipline while the meeting, by its very nature, wants to ramble and socialize, play grab-ass and jerk itself off like an animal. So the meeting comes in with a chip on its shoulder and sass on its lips, the entitled cool kid who couldn't give two shits about the rules and doesn't care who knows it. The agenda's pretty chill at the start, plays it meek and mild, speaks softly, Oh, don't worry about me, I'm just a simple list of priorities. We can get to them now, or later, or, or not at all. Just long enough for the meeting to get cocky, and the meeting does. Starts tearing strips of paper out of its notebook, makes spitballs out of them, and sets them up in a row. Ammunition for its impending assault on the agenda's updo. The meeting tells stupid dick jokes while the agenda draws pie charts on the dry erase board, and everyone giggles when the meeting pulls the straw out of the agenda's iced coffee, the blowgun for its spitball stockpile. But as soon as the meeting has its first spitball loaded and ready to fire, the agenda turns and says, in a whip-crack voice that demands every ear's attention, Hey! You're being a naughty meeting. Do you know what happens to naughty meetings? Naughty meetings get PowerPoints. And suddenly, the meeting's interest has peaked. It drops the straw to the table. Oh, maybe it has been a naughty meeting. Maybe it does deserve a PowerPoint. A long, slow one with lots of mind-numbing graphs. And the meeting's about to say as much, but the agenda tells it to shut up and go sit in the corner while the agenda thinks about how many Venn diagrams this meeting deserves. And the meeting does just that, feeling it turns giddy from fear and shivery with anticipation, its emotions all a-royal in its guts. The agenda pulls a ball gag and a laser pointer from its handbag, but the agenda can tell from the meeting's hungry expression that it's way too into bondage and pinpoint accuracy. And the agenda doesn't want this to be fun. This is meant to be a lesson. Luckily... The best agendas always leave room to improvise, and this one starts a good cop-bad cop routine on the meeting. Only the agenda is both the good cop and the bad cop, because this agenda has a secret case of dissociative identity disorder, and that's when shit starts to get crazy hot. And the meeting starts sweating. Where the hell did these hot spotlights come from? And can maybe it get a drink of water? And then, in what it imagines is a stroke of genius, the meeting decides to try and turn the tables, go all Hannibal Lecter on the agenda, asking probing questions about the agenda's childhood, how the agenda likes its liver served, quid pro quo style. 
but after a few lame attempts, it becomes obvious that this meeting has no genius-level sociopathic cannibal psychiatrist, and they both know it. So the agenda sends the good cop out for coffee, and it's all bad cop after that. Rubber hoses and contact lists and hyperbolic descriptions of synergistic bilateral cooperations until the meeting finally breaks and begs the agenda to let it finish. Please, please, please let it all end. But the agenda says no. We're going to be here all night long, you dirty, dirty meeting. We're going to analyze bar graphs and returns on investment and talk about top-down leadership. And the meeting collapses in defeat, but it is secretly thrilled. And the agenda does indeed carry on all night long. <laughs> I love you like that, Morning Light. Always hungry for whatever you're willing to dish out. We always find a way to have fun, and no matter the game, you are my favorite playmate. You always will be. Have a wonderful day, favorite person. Naked Conversations has been a Mountain Loves the Morning Light production. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great week. Bye-bye.